0: lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The
1: Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Monday. Hope you had a great weekend. Welcome to the program. I am Steve Dace and he is Todd Erzin and he is Aaron McIntyre and you are you let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox which you can take advantage of uh, and give us your feedback by emailing the show steve at stevedace.com that's d-e-a-c-e you can also like us on facebook follow us on twitter at stevedace show or you can go to places that don't censor us we would prefer you did that by the way uh, when you go to Mewe parlor gab and at Steve day show on getter, look for Steve days at those other places at Steve day show on getter, and then get clips of the show that are free to watch free of censorship over at rumble.com slash Steve day show as well. I don't know if you guys saw this or not. I've not had a chance to look at uh, the rundown. In fact, I guess I can look at it right now and see if it made it in there. No, but that's okay. Cause this is breaking news early this morning or just a little while ago a uh, massive study of ivermectin efficacy out of japan do you guys see this yeah I did. Uh, and it has been a hoot to watch the western media covering this story all right they have run headlines saying that it's effective against omicron then they've edited their headlines to say uh it's it's not uh effective against omicron it's an effective antiviral um <laughs> What is Omicron? Virus. Is it, is it a virus? It's a virus. It's a virus. So if it's an effective antiviral, that would indicate there would at least be some level of e- efficacy against, of, of a, a virus. A, 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 I mean, it it has been fascinating to watch. As yet again, um, what have I said all along? Uh, there are two constants when it comes to COVID. Stan, one, no control groups. Because that brings you accountability Two, whatever you can't say on Facebook and Twitter about the virus or its origins or treating it right now will eventually be proven true. Usually about three to six months later, right? Yes. And here we are with Ivermectin. Now, one of the pioneers when it came to treating COVID early uh, was was Dr. Zelenko, Vladimir Zelenko, world-renowned doctor, President Trump, in fact, Uh, credited him with his successful early treatment protocol and if you are looking right now for an opportunity to make sure that you have the early treatments you're looking for it's funny the more the opportunities to get these treatments expand sometimes the harder it is to acquire them because they're trying to stop you from getting them They, they don't want you to have these treatments well why steve All the answers to that question are bad. So stock up right now with the Z-Stack from Dr. Zelenko. All of it produced right here. Cricketin, zinc, Vitamin C, Vitamin D, the the package that you're looking for for early prophylaxis for COVID-19, or maybe looking at uh, some of the behavior of Omicron, COVID-21, if you know what I'm I'm saying. Is this on? I'm sorry. Uh, Anyway, uh, go ahead. Get the Z-Stack right now when you go to ZStackLife.com slash DACE. Enter the promo code DACE. You'll get a small discount for your first order. Zstacklife.com slash DACE. Use the promo code DACE. All right, coming up on today's program at the bottom of the hour, we will talk to Emerald Robinson, formerly of Newsmax. Uh, she was one of the only reasons to watch that channel, frankly, as their White House correspondent and with her very ballsy Twitter account, which is exactly why it's gone. Uh, but uh, she will join us to talk about what happened at Newsmax, what she's doing now. And if we have some time, we'll get into the issues of the day uh, as we try to find out why did they try to cancel her. We'll get into that at the bottom of the hour. Next hour, we will have our Monday Town Hall. Facebook followers, you'll get to you'll get to ask me anything. Did we have a good list of questions to go through this week?
0: We did. I There's no way we get through all of them.
1: No way. chance. OK. All right. So, of course, you know, the drill. I don't see these questions ahead of time. Todd chooses them uh, sometimes randomly or uh, purposefully or purposefully randomly, gives them to Aaron. And then uh, he hits me cold during the show. We'll get into that in the next hour of the program. But before we get into all of that, of course, speaking of Aaron, we begin with his rundown of what happened
2: while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by the Ballads of Trukistan. What began as a rather small convoy of big rig trucks in Canada driving across the country to protest vaccine mandates there ended up in Canada's capital, 75 kilometers long by some estimates. And once in Ottawa, they made their voices heard. Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, who said recently this caravan was just a small fringe minority of his country's population, fled the capital like the coward he is over the weekend, apparently fearing for his own safety. Some reports say he ended up in the United States. Just this morning, it was revealed he has COVID. The trucker caravan in Canada inspired others like it, including this notably long caravan in the Netherlands that formed over the weekend. Meanwhile, down south, more and more D-list recording artists are pulling their content off the audio streaming service Spotify, saying they don't want to share the platform with the likes of Joe Rogan because he's supposedly spreading disinformation about the coronavirus. Despite these artists being D-list celebs at best, Spotify and Announced yesterday, They're enacting a new policy targeted at corralling content they deem to be spreading misinformation and threatening to remove podcasts and artists who are caught doing so. Now, as a reminder, Spotify purchased the exclusive streaming rights to the Joe Rogan experience for many millions of dollars just a few years ago. Here's what
3: Rogan had to say about these
2: developments.
3: The problem I have with the term misinformation, especially today, is that many of the things that we thought of as misinformation just a short while ago are now accepted as fact. Like, for instance, eight months ago, if you said, if you get vaccinated, you can still catch COVID and you can still spread COVID, you would be removed from social media. They would, they would ban you from certain platforms. Now that's accepted as fact. If you said, I don't think cloth masks work you would be banned from social media. Now that's openly and repeatedly stated on CNN. If you said, I think it's possible that COVID-19 came from a lab, you'd be banned from many social media platforms. Now that's on the cover of Newsweek. All of those theories that at one point in time were banned were openly discussed by those two men that I had on my podcast that have been accused of dangerous misinformation. I do not know if they're right. I don't know because I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. I'm just a person who sits down and talks to people and has conversations with them. And just for an
2: FYI, here's a look at who's trying to get Rogan canceled. Rome.
3: I'm Dr.
1: Todd. I know the tricks to keeping kids from getting sick.
4: Woo-hoo! Oh, my God, Todd, what are we going to
1: do? It's like people just don't believe us anymore. I know, I know, Nicole. You know what? These people would rather just listen to some random person or somebody on social media. What are we going to do? What if we created the The perfect perfect cheer? Vaccinate, vaccinate,
2: vaccinate, vaccinate. Moving on, Senator Lindsey Graham went on Face the Nation this weekend to voice his support for an affirmative action hire for the highest court in the land. Whether you like it or not, Joe Biden said, I'm going to pick an African-American woman to serve on the Supreme Court. I believe there are plenty of qualified African-American women, conservative and liberal, that could go on to the court. So I don't, that, I don't see Michelle Childs as an act of affirmative action. I do see putting a black woman on the court making the court more like America. Joint Chiefs of Staff Chairman General Mark Milley brought the white rage with him in these comments about Russia. We strongly (laughs) encourage Russia to stand down and to pursue a resolution through diplomacy. In Texas, Donald Trump held a rally over the weekend when Governor Abbott showed up to say Donald J. Trump over and over again.
3: Are you ready for Donald J. Trump? Donald J. Trump is ready for you. Donald J. Trump loves the great state of Texas. And Texans love President Donald J. Trump. He is getting ready to come out here, and he wants to see you Show your support for our president, Donald J. Trump. Now, Donald J. Trump.
2: What it looks like when hell acts out, here's Detroit, Michigan, baby murder activist, Jex Blackmore, who was pregnant, aborting her child live on television. Charlie, I just really, I
4: wanna share with you really quickly, like this, this year is
1: Mifepristone. This is the first of two pills you would take to end a pregnancy. And it would induce an abortion, this very pill. Um by blocking the hormone and allowing a pregnancy to grow. and I want to show you how easy it is and safe it is by taking it myself. You're taking it. are you are you not are you
2: you're not pregnant, are you?
1: Uh, I
4: would say that this is going to end a, a pregnancy. This will be my third abortion.
2: For those of you listening, the pregnant Miss Blackmore holding an abortifacient pill in her pentagram tattooed hand pops said pill on live television. Here's California Governor and Los Angeles Mayor Gavin Newsom and Eric Garcetti, respectively, ignoring their own mask mandates last night at the Rams 49ers game. And finally, a message from Nancy Pelosi.
3: Before we get started, I need to wet my whistle. (sighs)
0: that's not water (laughs) hello it's Nancy when people ask me what are the three most important issues facing the Congress I always say the same thing our children our children our children their health their education their mother's right to kill them in the womb, up until the point that they are born. Even the, the mountain of debts I'm personally creating for them through my policies. This is my why, why I am in Congress and have been for approximately 72,000 years for the
2: children. Excellent job with that parody from Blaze TV's own Sarah Gonzalez. And that's what happened while we were away.
1: I have known Sarah for a long time. I was not aware, however, that uh, she had that extra gear. That is frighteningly well done. And the use of the full house opening credit backdrop as a, a scene setter for San Francisco... Um, Whoever came up with that idea, that was also a a very nice touch. Uh, Aaron's montage brought to you by Omega XL, which Aaron was just telling me before the show started. He may now, as he gets a little up there in years, it's time for Aaron to consider becoming a customer. Um, Because Aaron discovered over the weekend... That there are about 360 places in your body from the top of your neck down to the bottom of your feet. Call joints that, uh, even when we stay active and healthy, uh, they still can be little good little receptors for this thing called inflammation. And the thing is, as we get older, even if we get healthier, our joints don't necessarily get younger. And that's why you're looking for an all-natural anti-inflammatory to go after the inflammation causing that chronic pain, achiness, stiffness, soreness. Uh, And that's where Omega XL comes in, backed by over uh, 25 years of clinical research and the last couple of years of My Daily Usage, so I can personally attest to its effectiveness. If you want to try it today, they'll offer you buy one bottle, get a second one for free. When you visit OmegaXL.com slash Steve, that's OmegaXL.com slash Steve, or give them a call at 800-844-4888. We will discuss in the overtime today, what is going on with Joe Rogan and what his future could be and what it may be or what it may mean really for us as an industry. Because what's going on right now is this guy is the closest thing, alternative media. Notice I didn't say conservative media, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. This guy is the closest thing alternative media has had to Rush Limbaugh since the trail that he originally blazed that... Rebirthed AM radio that gave a lot of schmucks like me a chance to essentially coast off of uh, off of his success and get our own jobs. He created an entire industry, a show that singularly stood alone in terms of its reach of audience for decades. Right? Mm-hmm. Rogan's the closest thing I think we've had to that since. The kind of numbers that if 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 this technology were around when Rush debuted, these are the if, if, what what would it look like if you translated. What, what, 600 some odd radio stations on all these 50,000 watt clear channel at the time, blow torches. How would that translate into today's digital technology? It'd look an awful lot like the reach that Joe Rogan has right now. Now, he's got a whole different slate of beliefs on a lot of different things than Rush Limbaugh had, right? Mm-hmm. But in terms of being an alternative source for conversation and, and a different approach, he likes to interview people. Rush almost never did unless like, like a Republican president would call in or Newt Gingrich or something. All right, but it, different beliefs, different approaches, but the idea that a new technology or the revamping of an old technology in order to create a new industry would go against the Overton window of the regime that you would be allowed to have conversations in polite company in some in some respects, I think that Rogan is even more dangerous than rush was and 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 here's why because. When Rush debuted, you still had a lot of Democrats that believed in a lot of things we call traditional Americana. Rogan, Rogan is one of them. This is a Bernie Sanders supporter. He's just like an actual liberal. He actually thinks having a free exchange of ideas. I, I, the, the, the rant that Bill Maher gave over the weekend might be his best yet About the Democratic Party, he said, "Hey, it's not my fault that we've we've gone from the party of JFK and FDR to the party of LOL and WTF." And and in this rant, here's why I think it might be the best one he's given yet, because he revealed something about himself. He said, "Hey, you think I've changed? I haven't. I'm still the same unmarried, childless, pop smoking libertine. I've always been." Those were his exact words. It's just you guys are nuts. And he showed an example of trying to put solar power into his California compound and a six-row flow chart of what it took for him to actually do the environmentally conscious stuff they told him he should do to be a good American. And on and on he went. See, this is what Rogan is doing. But Rogan's taking it to a next level. Mar is willing to consider alternative views of opinions. Rogan is bringing in alternative facts and information. That's Rogan is like if Walter Winchell had a podcast. Okay, this can't happen. And so we're going to get into what his future may may be at Spotify and what it may mean for the future of media in America in general in the overtime today. BlazeTV.com/dace is where you can go. To watch that, we will record it right after today's program for Blaze TV subscribers, and then we will upload it for you later today to watch on demand at blazetv.com slash dace. And then that's also where you can go if you are not yet a subscriber and you'd like to become one to get a discount. Ten bucks a month is what it costs at blazetv.com slash dace. All right, let's get to the rest of what was in Aaron's montage. And, and I had not seen that clip. The other woman in that clip, by the way, is a longtime friend of mine. And I mean, she was, uh, Rebecca Kiesling is her name. Michigan native, successful attorney. She was conceived in rape. And she is a powerful pro-life speaker. And I think her, the look on her face, on Rebecca's face, while this woman is, a, is killing her child, and and you want to believe this is parody, like this is the kind of stuff that when they made movies about the Satanic Panic of the '80s when we were growing up, and remember the Geraldo specials uh-huh. and Phil Donahue covering it all the time, and right. And if if you were a secular lefty in the in the '80s or '90s, and you were doing a movie mocking the Satanic Panic, you'd put a figure like that other woman on there, right? And, and say. This is a caricature. These kinds of people don't really exist, right? Like someone's going to really, that's too on the nose. Someone's going to really go on a TV station, show you a, 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 an abortifacient pill with a pentagram in the palm of their hand and take it to uh, cancel their pregnancy live on the air. that yeah. That's the kind of thing you would expect in some kind of lefty Hollywood parody Of, you know, Tipper Gore's warning labels and the satanic panic of our childhood, right? Right. Now it's live television in America. Is hell acting out? It's it's trolling us. Or trolling it, it's trolling us is what it is doing
0: as I said on Twitter it's just a very private and difficult decision Steve between a woman her doctor and the entire world yeah
1: so private that we have to do it on national television
0: Thir- for the third time that's yes. as she said yes. the third time killing a child
1: um i I had not seen that video until your montage Aaron I didn't have a chance to read the rundown all the way before we started I didn't even know it was coming I didn't know what to expect I was my mouth was agape watching it as well. I'm not sure I've talked about this before. I think I have on this show. I have on other shows. One of the, one of the big paradigm shifts I've had over the years, you know, it's been... When I, when I first got an access to um, a microphone and a platform of significance... I mean, none of us are finished products until God calls us home, right? Okay, but, I mean, I wasn't even an assembled one, all right? I mean, when I started doing this for a living, I was not a believer. Then I start doing this for a living, and I become one in the middle of it. And, you know, then we start really in real time. You witness a live sanctification process that clearly is still not completed. But... um I used to think early on that if we permitted things in our culture, like what that woman just did on that Fox affiliate in Detroit, it would, it would provoke God's wrath. That was my understanding of how this worked. And then for the first time, I I studied the book of Romans seriously as a believer With the intent of, as Romans says, not being controlled by the thoughts and patterns of this world, um, but instead having my mind renewed by what's in God's word. And when you read the very first chapter of Romans, beginning, I think it's with verse 17, you got to love Paul, man. Starts with some introductions, right? Right? And it's not even like chapters first of all they didn't have chapter we didn't add chapters to the bible to like the 12th or 13th century or something so this was written as a letter which makes it even more potent so he's writing a letter to the church in rome and he begins with formal introductions and things of that nature you might think this you know there might be a, again a little bit more subtext more context maybe a start with a positive right clearly clearly paul did not consult with Uh, any uh, PR flacks or any church growth experts before writing the book of Romans, okay? Because there's a very brief section of introduction. And then in that exact same segment, beginning with verse 17, the wrath of God is now revealed upon mankind. Hi, I'm Paul. Nice to meet you. Uh, Jew, tribe of Benjamin. I became a Christian and I'm traveling with uh, so-and-so, so-and-so. Anyway, the wrath of God is now revealed. I mean, dude, just let's roll. Let's go with this. And they're beginning in verse 17. He lays out what God's wrath upon a culture looks like. And what blew my mind reading this again for the first time, that's that's what Bible study does for you, man. Every time you do it, you read it again. For the very first time, right? If you're doing it right anyway, if you're doing it right anyway, you're going in there for it to impose on you and not to you for you to impose on it. If you're doing it right, you do it again for the very first time. And I'm reading this and I'm like, wow, this is 180 degrees different than my assumption. The wrath of God on a culture, according to what Paul lays out here, is not provoked by permitting such Open acts of evil to be displayed and glorified. This is, this is beyond what, what the, the average human sinful condition embraces. And the average human sinful condition harbors more sins in their heart than they'll ever act out on. That's why Jesus says, right? To even, it's not, it's not what you put in your mouth that makes you unclean, but what comes out. Out of the heart speak, or out of the heart, the mouth speaks. This is why to even look on a woman with lust, even if you don't act on it, right? The amount of sins we harbor in these little sin factories call our hearts that we will not even act on far exceeds what we will ever actually act on. And even with that, this is beyond total depravity. This is pure, unadulterated nihilism. Without question. And Paul says that is the judgment. The restraining hand of God is removed from a culture. And we're all at the cosmic Burger King now. Have it your way. You're on your own, you're an ingrate. I will no longer attempt to discipline you you're beyond discipline so you will now have to go to the faraway land spend your inheritance on wine, women, and song to the point that you end up consuming the pig pods and then come home of your own volition hat in hand, humble, tail between legs realizing wow, I suck If you were ever wondering, and I wonder sometimes, are we a culture under judgment or not? Seventy years ago, Detroit was the richest city in America. Per capita, the wealthiest city in America. Now it is a wasteland. And on television women with pentagrams in their hands kill their children live on the air. So let's play Jeopardy here. The answer is, are we a culture under judgment? Yes. Yes, we are. That's as, that's as blatant confirmation on top of all the other confirmations we get constantly. If you needed more confirmation, Greg Abbott mysteriously sang Donald J. Trump 73 times. Just so you know, Jesus said you forgive seven times 70, not say the name Donald J. Trump seven times 70. What is that? Do you know what the point of that was?
0: Well, what it is, and it should be enough, with Chad Prather leading them, all the cowboys left in Texas should form their own, their own horse convoy, like the Canadian truckers, and drive straight into uh, the capital city of Texas there and have a chat, or at least send him running into hiding as well. I'm really tired of Greg Abbott's act. Can we have Texas back?
1: The trucker convoy... We, I saved it for the last because, to me, the visual of this, like commentating on it, I think, takes away from its potency. It is one of the most powerful visuals I have witnessed in my career. I think it's the most powerful visual I've seen as a, as a, as a life form since Tiananmen Square, the, the classic photo of the one man standing in front of the tank in Tiananmen Square. It's, it's the blue-collar version of Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. It is one of the most exhilarating symbols of revolt I have personally witnessed in my approaching 50 years on this earth. And, and so I think to sit here and break it down kind of takes away from it. Because I just think it's so powerful of, the, of what it is doing and what it says and what it means on its own. So I'll, I'll add this, and this is something you and I were talking about yesterday. At this point, everyone, and I mean everyone, everyone. Every adult of sound mind and body, everyone of decision-making and accountability age of sound mind and body, everyone is either a Canadian trucker or Justin Trudeau or some kind of cuck simp for the Trudeaus of the world in between. Everybody is. The lines are as clearly drawn now by this event as anything I, I can recall. Any thoughts on that?
0: Well, I know my soul. It could have used a little bit of that this weekend. I needed a Captain America catch in the hammer moment. And when I saw that, I got it. Thanks guys and gals, right? Driving those trucks. We needed it.
1: We'll come back. Emerald Robinson is going to join us uh, at here in just a few minutes. What happened to her at Netflix? Netflix. No, Freudian slip. Newsmax. Uh, We will find out and then find out what's next for her next. Big news from our friends over at Built Bar. Brand new flavor launching today. White chocolate covered cookies and cream so forgive me i went ahead and got myself a couple boxes of those not that i need more built bars yes i do you could always use and need more built bars it is the best protein bar of all time i just tasted one of the trusty original flavors yet again uh the the chocolate covered coconut it, it's still just as good as the first time cuz all their flavors are tremendous loaded with real flavor uh and and real protein not loaded though with a bunch of calories carbs and sugars in fact the the protein bar I just ate, which tastes exactly like a Mounds bar, was 130 calories. All right. So uh, if you're looking for the best protein bar ever made, that means you no longer have to make the choice between eating well and uh, eating uh, sweet, particularly if you have a sweet tooth like me. Go over to built.com, B U I L T. That's the website for built bar. B U I L T for built bar. Get 15% off with the promo code DACE. And I just used my own promo code, so I know it still works. All right, at Built.com, promo code DACE. Well, I know a lot of you have questions about what happened with former White House correspondent for Newsmax, Emerald Robinson. Let's find out, because she joins us right now on the program. It has been too long. Emerald, how are you?
4: It has. It's, it's, I'm good, and it's good to see you. I've missed you guys.
1: So let's start with what happened at Newsmax, where you were, um, obviously, you were not given some low-level position. As White House correspondent, uh, I mean, you were particularly going back to the the Trump presidency, you had one of the most... Uh, uh, pivotal limelight infused positions at that network. Uh, you certainly had maybe the largest or perhaps the most engaged social media following at that network that I saw. Mm-hmm. And then you made a post on your Substack that literally all hell broke loose after. Tell us about that.
4: Well, with what happened with the network, I think you might be a little bit surprised. So it's actually quite simple. And I, we did not part ways, uh, or they did not quote-unquote fire me or not renew my co- contract because of my tweets or that substack article and i know this or we know this based on reporting from november in fact i will just use newsmax's own words as i explain what happened in uh in uh, november of uh, 2021 so just a few months ago uh newsmax executives leaked Uh, information to the left leading Daily Beast in a series of articles that explained that they had been planning not to renew my contract since the summer of 2021, and that they had been meeting with and interviewing former Fox correspondents in order to replace me. You can go online and find those articles. Now, obviously, Steve, I was a constant threat, to the Biden administration and particularly to Jen Psaki because I was in that briefing room on a daily basis asking the questions that, that they did not want asked, which points me to an, uh, another article, other pub- more public reporting, this time by Red State and uh, reporter Jennifer Van Laar, who says, according to Newsmax insiders, unnamed sources that she spoke to, I was asked repeatedly, particularly by the CEO of Newsmax, Chris Ruddy, and uh, other Newsmax executives to go soft on Jen Psaki. Uh, it, she writes that they told her uh, specifically, I was given a directive to go easy on the Biden administration, particularly Jen Psaki. Now, Steve, I think you know me well at this point and know that I was never going to do that. The vaccine tweet and the Substack article were a, you know, an easy, convenient excuse. I'll also, however, point you to more of Newsmax's words in several statements to many different outlets, like the Washington Post and others. They have repeatedly uh, made clear their their support for the Biden's vaccine policies. In fact, they said on several occasions that the network position, so the network has a position, that the vaccines are safe and effective. And in June of 2021, the start of the summer, uh, the Newsmax CEO, Chris Ruddy, wrote an op-ed where he praised president biden for his policies his vaccine rollout and what he says really put i'll just use his own words i did print it out for you so this was written by chris freddy he said six months into his administration president joe biden should be applauded for making a huge dent in the COVID pandemic he goes on to say that quote the success of this approach has been obvious and that's in their own words
1: So, you know, in politics, I've I've tried to help our audience learn over the years from my own experience working behind the scenes of like Kevin Nealon's old subliminal man on SNL, what things really mean in politics. And it's often not what uh, the rhetorical flourish or the theatrics that we're given uh, in the media. And in politics, there's the there's the there's the right reason people do things. And then there's the real reason people do things right That's kind of what you're articulating here, isn't it? That the the right reason is that you had been allegedly irresponsible in reporting on the makeup of they're not vaccines because no one's vaccinated by any definition of the term vaccine prior to COVID. So jabs, all right. So um, that you had been irresponsible in reporting on what was the makeup of what's in the jabs which though the last time you and I spoke about this publicly I pointed out on the show what you reported can be verified either your reporting is accurate or it is not it would seem like this would be a fairly straight up thing for an editor or an ombudsman at 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 Newsmax to verify is this is this true or isn't okay but that was largely just cover for the fact that you just actually believed in too much of uh, the the, the with, with their own audience believes and you basically just had to go. Is that kind of what you're articulating?
4: I am not going to give my opinion on it. I will, again, just point everyone to that reporting and they can go and make that judgment for themselves by looking at Newsmax's own words.
1: It was well known. Um, your former network soared in popularity uh, in the aftermath of the last election. Uh, and uh, and then after the blowback from January sixth began to really crack down on the, a lot of that work, I remember we had you on. I think it was last summer. You covered the Mike Lindell summit on on election fraud in 2020. Were they? What was their reaction to that?
4: They covered it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I covered it, but they actually sent a correspondent to Mike Lindell's event, his cyber symposium.
1: So you don't think this is lingering about what went on with the election coverage or anything last year? You don't think that necessarily has not much to do with this, then?
4: I, I mean, I don't know for sure. I, I again, I learned mostly about my own situation from the reporting from the Daily Bees,
1: the Washington Post. It's obviously Red very professional. You know what? I'm, <laughs> let's let's go there for just a second. If if you are yeah. a conservative or not a communist, basically, okay. What do you think it means that they're trying to deconstruct your reputation at places like the Daily Beast and the Washington Post? I mean, what what message do you think that sends?
4: I think in in some ways you could take it as a compliment. It means you're effective. Because they essentially had a a, a reporter assigned to me and a a reporter for Salon.com who stalked me at the the White House one day, uh it followed me around, said he was a guest of Jen Saki. He got a he's got he has now a writing gig at the Daily Beast. So clearly he was report rewarded for his reporting on me and got uh, got a byline at the Daily Beast. But if you notice there they do this to certain people and I'm I'm in good company.
1: Did your former network were they able to point out anything you said that they could factually say was not accurate or in error? Would they, did they ever make no. any specific points about any of that?
4: No. They, they, in a statement to some of the outlets that were writing negative articles about me, they suggested that uh, they had never seen any evidence that this was in the vaccine, the mm-hmm. Moderna vaccine, but they never refuted it, mm-hmm. or, or I was never given anything.
1: Have you heard from any of your former colleagues or anything at all? I mean, again, you had a, one of the most yes. high-profile on-air positions at that network as White House correspondent. Have you heard from any of your peers?
4: I have heard from so many of them, Steve. And, you know, so many of them were wonderful people to work with. Mm-hmm. Really professional. Really good at their job. Really care. And a lot of people were very upset, you know, clearly. I I worked with every show. I, I... I, and you know, I worked very long hours with so many of them and they, so many of them were so supportive and I, uh, I miss a lot of them working with them. And, uh, you know, and I, I reassured them that I think so much of them and, and look forward to what their careers hold and will be watching them.
1: So what's next for you? I mean, you're too talented. You have too much of a following. Right, so it can't just sit there on the sidelines, yes. regardless of what Twitter tried to do. So, what what's next for you now?
4: Well, it's funny you should mention Mike Lindell because his FreethoughtSpeech dot com. I have signed on to host a news show. It will be hard hitting, and it won't be filtered through uh, what we see so much in corporate media, corporate interests, uh, a fear of the left, uh, a, a narrative, and. I will be giving you the news that you just don't see on corporate media. If you look at my Substack, that gives you an idea of some of the areas we'll go in. And uh, we won't be afraid to share real data, real facts, and not give the corporate narrative. Uh, I don't have a launch date for that for as of yet, but that will be on FrankSpeech.com, And I can tell you to watch Frank's speech and what's happening because there's a lot of exciting, exciting moves going on at Frank's speech and i can't give anything else away (laughs) i want to but uh people should be excited
1: how can they get to your substack if they want to do that again
4: uh well it's got sort of a strange url it's emerald3.substack.com or you can just put in a search engine emerald robinson substack which is how i find it half the time myself
1: (laughs) if you were doing a show today your lead story topic issue would be what
4: I still think we should be talking about the DoD whistleblowers and those those statistics. I've been talking to more doctors. I've been talking to people about the. Uh, you mean the, what's the in the med database about statistics.
1: the jabs for the Department of Defense? That's what you're referring to, right? Yes. Okay.
4: Extremely concerning numbers. I think that even though we've seen a lot on election fraud or election integrity out of Georgia, at the end of the day, this is life and death. We're talking about with the data out of the Department of Defense.
1: We have and covered that on our show as well. Uh Daniel Horowitz from here at, at our Blaze is at the Blaze has been all over. He's got he's he has spoken personally with a couple of those whistleblowers. One of them he's named. He's a he's one of he's a rare physician, Green Beret. All right. So you're talking the elite of the elite. He's one of the whistleblowers that right. Daniel has spoken with. Those numbers are insane about the increases in cancer diagnoses and everything else. And again, we're talking about one of the healthiest subsets of subsets of our entire population, obviously, what would be the innocent benign explanation for that? i I can't come up with one, but I find myself asking that a, a variation of that question quite a bit these days. So is there an innocent benign explanation for those numbers?
4: I can't come up with one. And then if you look back at Project Veritas' reporting and the release of those classified, uh reports from major murphy Mm -hmm. where he writes to the inspector general and points out that the department of defense had been very concerned about the spike protein potential uh and how toxic they found it to be when they looked at potentially funding echo health alliance that group were constantly talking about who was at the heart of this that was funded by fauci's nih uh how they have now reversed course and are mandating what they thought was too toxic to fund are mandating every service member inject themselves with it now. So it's hard to come up with something benign, especially after seeing that those documents.
1: Well, we want to have you back when you get ready to launch your new show. Uh, It's good to have you back. You're too good at this. You have too valuable of a voice and uh, we appreciate you here and God bless you. All right. Keep in touch.
4: Thanks, Dave. I definitely appreciate you all and all the great reporting.
1: You got it. Take care. So thoughts on the conversation we just had. And for those of you that don't know, Chris Ruddy is like the founder, chairman of Newsmax. And they've, they've had this ebb and flow before. Early in the conservative blogosphere, they were one of the biggest websites we had. And then they were kind of viewed as really toast you know, and kind of just lost a lot of their influence for a long time. And then he went multimedia and slowly, but surely began to build it back. And one of the ways that he built it back was hiring people like Emerald Robinson and essentially getting to the right of Fox news. And now you can see, I mean, I know they ran Steve Cortez from the Trump uh, campaign out of there. Uh, they were imposing uh jab mandates on their employees Um I don't even, I'll just say this guys. I don't even follow them on Twitter or anything anymore. I mean, I I got so tired of Meghan Markle updates and crap in my timeline. It was always from them. I just, I don't even follow them anymore. So to me, I think the kind of just the salt kind of lost its flavor as far as I'm concerned, even before this happened with her, but this just kind of seems to confirm it for me. But what do you guys think?
0: I think we are in uh, do something versus be somebody territory that you so often talk about, and oh, it's yeah. it's not just for politicians. As Chris Ruddy got, you know, in order to get to a certain uh, place, you might start off with some wacky ideas, like a like a coach, you know, with a team that he knows isn't going to win, and you might make it interesting in any a free agent hire here, a wacky scheme there. But uh, once you make it to the top uh, on some level, it's then it just simply becomes more of, about, uh, you know, kind of winding down the clock and playing the safety dance and doing whatever it takes to main whatever station is just important to you and not the job. I think that's the most likely answer here. A guy like Chris Ryan, he is just a squish.
2: That seems like it's always the answer, and yeah, because... I mean, have we had any shortages of squishes wearing our uniforms over the last, you know, no. uh, my entire life? No. So Occam's razor always in effect. And, and it's, it's a, a crying shame because at the end of the day, if some of these claims are untrue, that should be able to be proven, right? Should be able to be proven, saw uh, an interesting tweet and I cannot remember who sent it this morning there's a reason why the powers that be use the term misinformation instead of lies because lies they could disprove misinformation correct they get to manipulate that to whatever the hell they want it to
1: and that's how the devil operates keep everything in the gray lack of clarity truth is unknown unattainable inaccessible uh, and they're like their father the father of lies with hour two live and on demand here on blaze tv radio and podcast steve dace here with aaron mcintyre todd erzin and all of you don't forget to let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox which you can access by uh, emailing the show steve at stevedace.com that's d-e-a-c-e like us on facebook follow us on twitter at Steve Dace show look for steve dace me on me we parlor gab and getter Because We don't get censored there. You can also look for at Steve Day show on getter, not Steve days at Steve day show on getter Uh, and then go to rumble.com slash Steve day show for clips that are also free of censorship, but then also they are free for you to watch at rumble.com slash Steve days show. If you're a podcast listener, thank you so much for being a huge part of our audience and our ongoing growth and success. If you wouldn't mind, if you have yet to do so, leave us a five star review. Also hit subscribe or follow, whichever applies, and however and wherever you podcast us from. And thank you so much to all of you, tens of thousands of you that have done this for us already. Thank you so much. Please keep those coming. We appreciate them all. Also, want to let you know that this portion of the show brought to you by our friends over at Moink. I don't know if you've been in the meat aisle in your store recently. It is not getting less inexpensive with Biden inflation. That's why you want to go with moink, uh, pastured pork and chicken, grass finished beef and lamb, wild caught Alaskan salmon, all delivered direct to your door so that helps family farms become financially independent outside of big ag across the country you'll enjoy animals that were raised outdoors and swim that actually fish in the ocean moink meat free of antibiotics hormones sugars and all the other junk that you can find in your prepackaged meat in the meat aisle founded by eighth generation farmers if you want to give moink a shot now we get moink at our house uh you can get a year of filet mignon for free that's cool a year of filet mignon for free, and then pick what meat you want delivered with your first box when you go to moinkbox.com slash steve. Again, that is uh, moinkbox.com steve, M-O-I-N-K for moinkbox.com slash steve. Let's get to it. It's our Monday Town Hall. Ask Me Anything, our Facebook followers, your turn up to bat this week. Uh, I solicit the questions. Todd chooses them. I don't ever look at any of them, so I don't have a clue what is or isn't coming. And if you don't like the fact that your question wasn't chosen, I'm going to blame him. I had nothing to do with it. Todd selects the questions, and then Aaron, uh, you get to pepper me with them, beginning with right now.
2: We'll start with Amanda Renee. Since we uh, have seen and are currently witnessing the corruption and deception revealed by our leaders worldwide, the corruption in our healthcare system exposed, the sheer amount of deception in our media, is it time to ask ourselves if the church has managed to escape the corruption and deception unscathed? I've lived my entire life hearing that the end times are upon us, literally every generation before us, also believe the same thing. It's a time to potentially acknowledge that we're living in a deceptive time period where we're listening to the teachings of man rather than Jesus, she goes on to say. That's not saying the Bible isn't accurate or infallible either. It's acknowledging there's a potential for the teachings of Jesus to be twisted to fit the agenda of man. Should we ignore the fact that it's been the past five to one thousand five hundred to one thousand years, where this futuristic ideology of a rapture, a seven year tribulation period, and the rise of the Antichrist has been introduced and accepted. What did biblical scholars believe prior to this theology?
1: So interesting. She is making the claim that that premillennial dispensation dispensational eschatology is a is it might be part of a mass yeah. level of uh, delusion and deception. I. Let's get that's, this Monday kicked off with some eschatology, baby. Wow. I, and that's an angle I had not considered. Fat, frankly, you're giving, and and I think in the last year and a half, I have been as respectful of this viewpoint and as entertaining of this viewpoint as I have ever been since you guys have worked here or known me, yep. right? Okay. But you're actually being kind by saying that this has been fair. This has been prominent within the last five hundred to a thousand years. It has not been. This is really a view that became mainstream in the church in the mid to late nineteenth century. And it's been a while since I've studied the whole history of the premillennial eschatological view um, as we know as we know it today. But if memory serves, and uh, you know, if I get it wrong, a, a detail here or there, I apologize in advance. But a lot of this, as we know it today, was influenced by a group called the Plymouth Brethren. And I think they had um their pastor's name, I think, was John Darby, I want to say. D-A-R-B-Y, I believe. And um and and a lot of this also came from the Schofield Bible. So if you if you know anything about the history of American Christianity, um, the term fundamentalism, for example, where did it come from? It came from a couple of very successful businessmen that were concerned that America was drifting away from its Christian fundamentals, and so they, out of their own pocket, they funded these Bible these these Bible tracts to be sent to churches and believers all over the countries all over the country, and they were called the fundamentals. Okay, uh, and that's where the term fundamentalism came from. Uh, after after the Scopes Bible. After the Scopes monkey trial in Tennessee, there, ha, there, there was a, a massive, uh, almost like a psychic break within American Protestantism. And one element of the church was so embarrassed by the public spectacle and what came out of it that, uh, and this is where a lot of our reform de- de- denominations were, a lot of our Lutheran Non-Missouri Synod denominations were frankly so embarrassed by it. They they essentially um, uh, uh, modernized themselves. They accepted modernity and became what we now know as mainline Protestantism, which has gone from being modernist to postmodernist. Many of these don't believe anything anymore. And the groups that held on to orthodoxy within Protestantism, um, became known as fundamentalists, and then there later on was a break between fundamentalists and evangelicals and the post-Billy Graham uh, ascendancy. But uh, this group was heavily influenced by the Moody Bible Institute. It was one of the... It was probably in the first half of the 20th century the most influential... uh, intellectual center of American fundamentalism slash evangelicalism. And it is still hugely influential to this very day. And, and through its, its attachment to its leader, founder, uh, inspire DL Moody. Who you've heard me quote a few times on the show. One of my favorite quotes comes from DL Moody. Um, I like my way of doing things better than your way of not doing anything. All right? I love that quote. Okay. Um, uh, Moody is one of the great evangelists in the history of American Christianity. And um, out of this came uh, a lot of a lot of American Christians. Their personal Bible study at home was the Schofield Study Bible. And if you look at the Schofield Study Bible, it's entirely embracing of what we call today premillennial uh, dispensational eschatology to the point that a lot of American Christians have no other, have no idea that there was actually other views of this throughout the course of the history of the church. I mean, a lot of them, the church I used to attend where I was on the preaching team, I mean, I was one of the younger members there, okay? I mean, there was this was an older church, seasoned saints. Our, our pastor, Pastor Bob, thought it would be cool, who himself was a pretty hardcore premillennial uh, dispensationalist, but... He loved arguments and debates and come now reason together and critical thinking. So he thought it would be cool to have three of our elders each teach one of the viewpoints, the pre-mill, the ah-mill view, which is often associated with Catholicism or um, uh, some segments of reformed Protestantism, the idea of um, th- that the city of man and the city of God or the the the, the 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 sheep and the wolves and the this is where the parable of the... Uh, um, uh, I can't remember now. Help me, Todd. They, they come to they come to the farmer and tell him someone's planted a bunch of weeds in his garden. He says, an enemy has done this. I can't remember what parable that is, but a lot of... The weeds and the tares? The weeds and the tear. yeah. Okay, and that these two things, the city of man and city of God, as Augustine described them, essentially vie back and forth until the end when Jesus returns and sifts between the two, okay? Then there is the post-mill view, which essentially is that we are living in um, an age where the church will be ascendant here on earth. Now, within these three views, there's different aspects of these views. They're not monolithic, but in in layman's terms, as simple as I can put it, those are the three views. The post-mill view, there would never have been a United States of America without the post-mill view. Uh, This was very prevalent within Puritan denominations. In fact, if you read the Mayflower Compact, the first governing body or, or document in the history of the country. It said they literally write, you know, we came here for the establishment of a kingdom of Christ. I mean, they, they believed they were driven by post-millennial eschatology. So it, it, I, it has not been 500 to a thousand years. And we tried to, we tried to do this at my old church. We had three elders. So people, men that were respected And we decided, let's, you know, we'll do pre-mill last because everybody knows the most about that. So, we had a gentleman, really smart guy named Gavin. He drew the short end of the stick on this one. He gets up to do teaching on post-millennialism. Folks freaked the bleep out, okay? They freaked out, all right? What fresh hell is this? Okay, I mean, well... It may not be right. I'm not. I'm not advocating for postmillennialism or any of the isms. By the way, I'm just simply saying it is a historical fact. There would not have been a United States of America without the driving influence of postmillennial eschatology within the within the within the Puritans, within the Pilgrims. That's they came here to start over, thinking that they could do this because this was what their driving theology. Theonomy was like they named their kids theonomy. We think it's a dirty word in the church today. Okay, so. It, it's not a 500 to 1,000-year thing, actually. Now, that doesn't mean, though, because some of you will push back and say, hey, the early church believed that Jesus' return was imminent, that they were living at the end of the age. And that's clear that they did. That is referred to throughout the New Testament. The, but the, 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 particular tra- the particular exegetical layout of a seven-year pact, and in the middle of that, um, you know, the Antichrist turns on on, on Israel. Uh, all this stuff, that, is, as we've known it today, as we translate it today, is really only a couple hundred years old within the long history of the church in terms of being a mainstream view. It's just the predominant view in America because the Protestant denominations that had other views went liberal and abandoned orthodoxy and the Protestant uh, churches that stayed loyal to Orthodoxy were the ones that embraced this view. So it's just, it just goes to show. It's like whenever we bring this up, you as a Catholic, you've not been inculcated into a lot of this beyond what you've just seen culturally from like the left behind craze, right? Right. And so whenever I ask you about this, you'll often just say to me, "I'm Catholic. That's yeah. my answer." You were given a different catechesis. So I mean, if you came out of the Schofield Moody. Um, fundamental slash evangelical protestant you know feeder system which al- almost everybody that holds on to orthodoxy within protestantism and evangelicalism did chances are you know far more about this view or you only know about this view that's my point okay um is it a deception though can I love how fast <laughs> you've been talking for, for 10, 10 minutes, minutes, and that's the intro. <laughs> because it's not a simple yeah. question. No, no, yeah. I, I know. You're the one. Hey, you ch- don't. No, 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 no. You chose this one. I know. If you wanted three minute answers, give me a hell of a lot simpler questions, I especially said... ones that don't take a second
0: slide. A second slide. See? You had to go to a second slide to finish the question. <laughs> that's okay? why I said we're not getting through all of them. There's no way to do You didn't s- have to choose this. I'm not making fun of you to do okay. service to it, but the, that's funny that the, it's, you joking about, about yourself with that. There, there's, that was the, the footnote on what getting to the point, which is undeniably hilarious, even if it's necessary.
1: I don't believe it's a deception. Can something be wrong and be and not be a deception. Yeah, because we're humans. Hmm. OK, so something can be wrong and not be a deception, meaning it, it is not my intent to deceive. I'm I'm just wrong. Right. In the New Testament, Priscilla and Aquila come upon a, a, a very gifted teacher, but they notice that he's wrong about some things. I mean, he's, a, they, he's not he's gifted. He's you know, he's he's leading people to the Lord, but he's wrong about some things. So they take him aside to shepherd him. Right. I mean, it's not as if premillennial eschatology, even if you think it's completely an error, drives people away from, from the, the notion that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. If anything, it, you could argue it maybe scares you more into that, realizing where things can go at the, at the very end. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I don't believe it's a deception at all. Um, I, I, it certainly could be an error, but I don't, it could be even holistically an error. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it is a deception. It does not drive people away from the... Rep- the core of the gospel is the repentance of your sins for, for to be redeemed. And a, so you may have a restored relationship for all of eternity with your creator. Okay? And in no way, shape, or form does this deter from that. So I would not call it a deception. To me, deceptions are things that deter from that. Something may be a false teaching inadvertently in that it leads you away from how you think people ought to behave... After they've after this relationship has occurred. OK, but a deception is, is something that doesn't want that relationship to even happen or wants to push you away from sustaining that relationship. And I don't believe this eschatology, even at times when I've in my career, I've been the most skeptical of it right now. I might be the least skeptical of it I've ever been. <laughs> All right. But even in times when I was the most skeptical of it, I didn't believe it was deception. No.
2: Excellent answer.
1: Uh next Hold one. Hold on, up. I got to take a Marco Rubio water break after that
2: one, man. <laughs> yeah. Holy cow. See? Very good. All right. Thank you. Uh Megan Nanya Mon- uh, says, uh, what are your thoughts on long COVID? I haven't heard you talk much about it. My fam all tested positive COVID uh, December 27th and about every other week since then we've been sick. It's funny, one of my uh one of my brothers' families has been like this too for like the last month and a half or 2 months or so. Here here are my
1: thoughts. And there's there's a reason why I've not done a lot on it. One is because COVID seasonality tends to surge when every other respiratory virus tends to surge. Two is um, because I don't trust our testing regime on any level. Like I don't I don't trust it at all. I, I just I don't trust it at all. One iota. I don't trust it. Um. And then the third is because remember what I said. I said this a lot last fall and at, the, at the, the fourth quarter of last year. Everybody here is taking a risk. Everybody is. We do not know what are the long-term consequences of even an asymptomatic exposure to a virus of Unnatural to malicious origin. If, if I didn't acknowledge that first, I'd be like the people I criticize. I cannot sit here and tell you that I think the virus is of a, a natural, an unnatural and unnatural or malicious origin and then play it off like, yeah, hey, even if I get it, get the case of the sniffles, no big deal. Both those things can't be simultaneously true. We don't know what the long-term ramifications for it are. We don't. On the other hand, we also don't know what the long-term ramifications are for injecting an experimental technology that now has virtually no efficacy against the current strain whatsoever, over and over and over again. I mean, the data out of Israel right now is heartbreaking. And you're talking about a country where over 80% of the adults have been triple jabbed. Over 40% of the adults, there quadruple jabbed. Israel's not even a country now. It's a subsidiary of Pfizer. It's Pfizer's human testing lab. That's what that's what Israel is. Just as God intended. Yes. Nothing says Holy Land like th- repeated holes that uh, that uh, Pfizer injects into you with their needles. Okay. But I think all of these things. You've not heard me like dismiss things about long COVID. Like Kirk Cur- Kerkstreit came out a couple of months ago and said he still has never fully recovered his sense of taste after his COVID uh, exposure last year. You haven't heard me mock. Or disdain any of that? Have you? No. Because we don't know. And those we are we don't know.
0: Those are the kinds of things we, as a show, could have and would have spent the last two years trying to help you out with, if we didn't have to unpack the rest of these ridiculous lies. That's exactly lies. right.
1: That's that's a that's see from the beginning, from the beginning, the reason why we have not been able to remember when we first started on COVID. The very first thing I did at the urging of many, many of you in this audience was to listen to a two-plus-hour conversation that Michael Osterholm, who's now a Biden COVID advisor and had served under the previous five presidents, including Trump, in an interview that he did with Joe Rogan warning about COVID. Do you guys all remember this? This was actually the first thing that I ever did. Yeah. Okay. Okay? Um, but when, when it was determined... There is a phenomenal study from Johns Hopkins that our friend Andy Bostom just tweeted out, and I, I shared it yesterday. It's a meta-analysis of over three of about three dozen peer-reviewed studies on lockdowns, whether they saved lives or not. And and this study, this meta-study—that's what a meta-study is—it's a study of other studies, it's a, 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 like a drudge report collage of other studies. Okay, this meta-study found collectively these thirty-four meta-studies concluded that lockdowns may have helped deter COVID mortality by 0.2%. Nowhere near, no, that's not nowhere, that, that calculus isn't nowhere near justified compared to the damage they did on the back end. And are still doing, by the way. But then this study points out something very interesting. Remember my first pushback against COVID mitigation efforts. What did I ask? How do you flatten a curve if you don't know when it began? What's the number one hypothesis that this meta-analysis that I read on Sunday? The number one the number one hypothesis for why COVID lockdowns and mitigation efforts don't work is because there's no way to, to, to pinpoint when and where the virus began. And since it's a respiratory virus, it's aerosolized. So
0: therefore... <laughs> You couldn't. Ne- the, the horse was always going to get out of the barn
1: because people have to breathe.
0: Isn't this where Osterholm said the sub- screen door on yes. a submarine thing? This yeah. is why
1: sending people home didn't matter. We just cost shifted. Okay, so I don't go to work and get the virus. Now, the number one tr- the transmitter of the virus was intrafamilial. Over 80% of COVID cases around the world were transmitted intrafamilial in 2020. Because we have to breathe. We cannot not breathe, guys. We have to breathe. We can wear gas masks. At some point, you have to take it off. Put on a new one. We have to breathe. Once it was aerosolized, there was no way around this. So from the beginning, they offered us solutions that begged the question, is the cure worse than the disease? And because it was obvious with any ability to analyze data or critically think at all, at all. I'm not smarter than most of my peers who wouldn't do this from the beginning. I just have more balls than they do. That's all. I don't have more brains. I just have more balls. So I will do it. It was very clear there were no good answers. And you know what it means when there's no good answers? They're lying or they don't know. I'm not putting my faith and my family's future in the hands of either one of those. I'm going to need more than either we don't know is the best case scenario or just flat out lying because there's a whole great reset. Not good enough. So because we've had to wrestle with this calculus from the beginning of is the cure worse than disease and that just rolled right on into the jabs. We unfortunately have not been able to do more of this sort of conversation. But the reality is. We do not know. We do not know. I don't know. I'm asthmatic. It's not as clinical as it was when I was a child. I'm healthier. My lungs are more developed. I I exercise regularly. I still use my albuterol inhaler, though, before every workout every day. I've now had COVID twice. One, the virulent strain, and then two, the attenuated endemic strain that we have now with Omicron. I have no idea... I, have, I, I can't sit here and tell you, man, if that's going to take 10 years off my life on the back end, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, I had to be admitted into the hospital for asthma three times as a child. Admitted. Like, not go to the ER to get a nebulizer. Admitted. Inpatient. I never had an asthma attack like with those 36 hours in South Dakota felt like with COVID, the original strains. I think I've described it as having a tire iron on my chest for about 36 hours. It was incredible, the, the feeling of the weight I had to carry to breathe. Now it just went away after 36 hours. Just went away on its own. I can't sit here and tell you, though, that on the back end of this, I'm not going to find out in 10 years with a lung x-ray, uh, we got a problem, bro. We don't know that. Here's the only thing we do know. We have to live If the masks worked, I would be Karen nagging you all to wear the damn things all the time, no matter how inconvenient they were. They don't. None of their mitigation efforts work. None of them do. And we have now created a scenario where there is a strain of the virus that their jabs don't work against either. And we're just simply debating, is that is that a natural step of this virus's evolution, or did they prompt this because of their own ADE? We don't. That's the only debate we're having. At no time have they offered, except for a very brief moment when the jabs were initially unveiled in the spring and early summer of last year, or when we already have a downward slide in respiratory viruses nationwide. Funny how that works. The best performance of the jabs was during the time of the year that we least needed them. And then the minute Delta showed up, from that point forward efficacy has just plummeted. But at no point in time have they offered us a quote-unquote cure that was not that didn't turn out to be worse than the disease. But do not let that deter us from the question you're prompting. We do not know the risk of a long-term exposure to this virus. Or long-term risk to even an asymptomatic exposure of this virus. We don't know. We don't know. Don't on one hand tell me you think it's a bioweapon. And then say, let's throw chicken pox parties with a bioweapon. Don't, both those things can't be true. Okay? And I think the, the, the... At the very least... At the very least, the virus was their vaccine. And then it's just a matter of the Chinese were willing, were, were, you believe the Chinese were doing real research in those labs or they were manipulating these people for a bioweapon, whichever you prefer. But no, I would not play games with this. On the other hand, though, we have to live. We, we, we have to live. And civilizations have confronted far worse plagues than this one. As Todd said, all throughout 2020, if we were going to have a plague in our time, looking at the data, this is the, if, if, if if like when God came to David and said, because you have violated your covenant with me, I'm you're you have to be held accountable. Choose the punishment that you would like, right? If God came to us and said, because your civilization has gone into the frigging crapper, you have left me no choice. My own integrity as God would be questioned if I did not, as your father, take my belt off. Like if, if I let Noah just go out there and bully kids and terrorize them, what would people say? Dude, what kind of father are you for allowing that? Right? Yes. If, it, if it God came to us and said, you guys have put me in a position now, okay, I got to take my belt off. So choose your switch. Like, like, like Nana's used to tell their yeah. kids back in the day, choose your switch. Here's your menu option. Our nanny to like a three trees out back. Choose the switch from one. All right. And if God said here, yeah, three plagues, we would have probably chosen this one. Median age of death is about 75 to 80. Doesn't hurt harm kids. Kids also aren't vectors, so they're not transmitting it to their loved ones at the exact same time. We we probably would have gone with this one. But that doesn't mean it's a joke either. Okay. It's not a joke. It's just we have to live. And they haven't offered us any potential cure that isn't worse than the disease. If they did, well, then the, then the mitigation, then the math and calculus would work the other way, right? Then it would be, oh, okay. Well, now I have to consider maybe giving some things up in exchange for this benefit. Instead, they came to us and, and said, give up a bunch of your freedom for no benefit. I'm sorry, Uh, 0.2%. That was your benefit. More of your questions here in a moment. So much misinformation out there, so little critical thinking out there. If you are looking for ways to make sure your kids aren't the uh, the next least critical thinking generation in American history, uh, break the trend with our friends over at Annie's Kit Club. They've got these new genius boxes that empower your kids' imagination and critical thinking skills uh, with real science, the real stuff, not the, what was the chant from that uh, video in your montage? Science is like magic, but real. Yep. Yeah. Science is not like magic. Scientism is. Science is your religion is. But no. It's not like magic, but real, uh, real science, uh, like the the real kind: geology, chemistry, aerodynamics, and more. Perfect for kids ages seven to twelve. If you want to give this a shot right now, you can design a hovercraft, examine fossils, build robots, so much more. Introduce your kids to real science, real research, and the value of asking good crit- critical questions. When you go to Annie's A N N I E S KitClubs.com slash Steve Annie'sKitClubs.com slash Steve fifty percent off your first genius box at annieskitclubs.com steve all right back to our Monday Town hall ask me anything hopefully urs and shows some shorter questions oh yeah that's my favorite. for round
2: two
0: you want good questions or do you want <laughs> short questions
2: right, i'll try to give shorter answers i'll try go ahead aaron i think this one's a great question this is from caleb reed since statists blatantly ignore the constitution as it's already written Why would changing the Constitution make any difference? Put another way, how do we force statists to follow a newly revised Constitution if they refuse to follow it already? You've already stated that you believe that the spirit of the age would attempt to subvert a convention of states. Essentially, if the social compact is broken, how do you unbreak it?
1: Well, ultimately, um, there is no form of government that you can create that restrains unrestrained human behavior. So, I mean, Caleb... I would flip your paradigm or your premise back to you. If you really believe in the premise of your question, then I expect you to be out in the streets. Um, uh, It's Dodge City. Full-blown vigilante justice out in the streets, right? I mean, uh, so if there's nothing we can do when this happens other than that, if that's your view, then that's how you should respond. To, To respond any other way, would be to undermine your own stated observation or analysis of the situation, in my view. What, what the Convention of States offers, right now, we have no vehicle for us to peaceably rein in the system. The best our votes do in most cases this time, these days is, is slow down the rate of erosion or subversiveness, but they don't stop it. So this would be an opportunity or the most direct opportunity for the rest of us to directly engage the process as opposed to, I really hope the right guy wins the prim- the primary this time. He almost never does, by the way, because they just buy them. I really hope the right, if we get enough of the right people that win the primary, then 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 get elected, we can do something. If we get 60 Republican senators and uh, 300 House members and nine judges on the U.S. Supreme Court, then we can do something. This provides an avenue for us to take this power unto ourselves to do something. Of course, it has a risk. That's why I have not always been supportive of this. But we are at to me, the end of the game, I I don't want to sit here at the 40-yard line with the ball in my hand and just watch the clock go zero. So yeah, I'm going to throw it down there. It might get picked off. I don't know. might get picked off. I do know this. If I'm holding the ball at the 40-yard line at the end of the game, and I'm behind on the scoreboard, what happens? You lose. You lose. I know. That's the one thing I know for certain. I don't know what will happen if I throw the ball as far as I can into the end zone here on the last play. I don't know what will happen. Could get batted down. It could be intercepted. Or... We could get Flutie to Phelan. I don't know the answer to that. Flutie to Phelan is the least likely outcome. I do know, though, there's only one outcome that's 100% certain. And that's if I just sit here and hold the ball at the 40-yard line when the clock goes zero and I'm behind on the scoreboard. I know that. But if you think the social compact is irredeemably broken, then, brother, I mean, I, I expect you... Out on the road, out on the streets with a holster. Some street vigilante justice. To do anything other than that, if you believe it's that far gone, would be to kind of sell out your own viewpoint then. So welcome to Dodge City. Next,
2: Joshua Saul says, I come across charts and stats that indicate the U.S., the unvaccinated, are the majority of deaths and hospitalizations. Is this just dishonest information for the narrative, or do you think it's possible That our medical system is treating the vaccinated correctly, like early treatments, etc., while leaving unvaccinated to die.
1: I know of situations where people that are jabbed can get monoclonals and people that aren't cannot. Um, Secondly, uh, the the data that has come internally from this country, we have demonstrated on the show how corrupt or incorrect it has been in the past. This is why... We have often used, for the last particularly six months, the clearest data on this has come from the UK. That's why we have used their data. And before that, it was Israel, although Israel has now made it tougher to get access to their data than it was before. As someone who has researched this quite a bit, it is actually not easy to get jabbed versus unjabbed stratified outcome data from our own domestic um, information sources. It's not easy to do without going through some kind of filter. That's also why we spent so much time last week on the excess deaths numbers. Because that's that's the result. The excess death numbers should add up in reverse. Right? If two plus two equals four. If I put a print number two plus and then a cursive number two, okay? And it equals four. When I run it back the other way, In reverse, the cursive number two plus the print number two, it should then also equal what? Four. Four. If it doesn't equal four, then I didn't do two plus two. You know what I'm saying? The excess death numbers show you when you reverse engineer it that these numbers that they're presenting can't be correct. And by the way, I've I've shown you all kinds of examples from states and from our own CDC. Uh, Before we we saw the full loss of efficacy with Omicron that we see now before we were even pimping, everybody's got to get a third jab that we were sitting between somewhere between 25 and 40% of deaths and hospitalizations were jabbed. I mean, Redfield who's doing Larry Hogan's COVID strategy in Maryland. He said this back in August, back in August. He said this and said, this has been going on for maybe it was September and this has been going on for several weeks so well into august secondly if even if everything they claimed about that data were true it is still not a one off decision to get that jab because you have to look at the overall risk profile in the short term covid is not a risk for an overwhelming majority of people in this country an overwhelming majority Like an overwhelming supermajority. It is absolutely a long term risk for everybody. You know what else is a long term risk for everybody? Everybody got that damn jab. That's a long term risk for them as well. So you're looking at an overall risk assessment. And I've used this analogy before, but I'll use it again. If you have cancer and they tell you um, you can improve your odds of remission by 50 percent if you get chemotherapy and go through the rigors of that if it is a form of cancer with a 98 percent survival rate are you are you likely to decide therefore that the rigors of chemotherapy for another 50 percent are worth it to you
0: probably, probably not
1: probably not now if it's like pancreatic cancer something like that are you gonna go ahead and take your chances with the uh With the rigors of chemotherapy? Probably. Probably. Because you're looking at an overall risk assessment. That's why. And that's what this is, an overall risk assessment.
2: Next, uh, let's see. We'll go to Elliot Evans. Where in Scripture does it say that Christians should get involved with politics and use government to push a Christ-centered agenda? I got asked this the other day by a fellow believer, and I want to give them a good response.
1: Where in Scripture does it say that you are permitted to... Uh, determine which areas of your life and your existence that God and and exhibiting His will in your life is excluded from. See so the the questions framed wrong. The question is framed wrong. Um, Jesus teaches His disciples how to pray. What is the prayer? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Does that explicitly say, especially in the political arena? Does it say that? No. It does not. But does it say, except for the political arena? Does it it say that? No. No, the expectation is that you as a believer will allow, for I am the vine, you are the branch, Jesus says in John 15. Those who remain in me will produce much fruit, but apart from me, you can do nothing. Except in these three or four areas of your life. Listen, if that's the rule, let me tell you something. The red light district in my brain and my loins can think of a few areas where they'd love to be able to exempt. They would just, they're eager. In fact, I can't even stop them from, I know I can't do that and I still often can't stop them from thinking that or doing it. You know what I'm trying to say? Mm -hmm. I can think of all, we all got a list of areas. Wait, God's going to let me just have this one? I I get a, you know, YOLO on this. Swing. I'm in. That's not what it is. I die daily, except for the things that are really inconvenient to me. Is that what Paul wrote? Don't think so. Offer your body, offer your body up as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, except when it's in some controversial areas. Is that what it says? No. No. Okay. Thank you. Next question.
2: Uh, Let's see. Uh, We'll go to Julie Gavin, who says, "Uh, have you still been following the 2020 election irregularities and the recent news that a Pennsylvania court has just found that mail-in ballots used in the 2020 election were unconstitutional? If so, what are your thoughts? Yeah, this is actually the
1: second state that this happened. It happened in Wisconsin previously. So I have been following it. But here's my thing, guys. I'm trying to get rid of the mechanism that justified and created all of this. Okay. I mean, they have wanted to do this since the nineties, motor voter bills and all those controversies. Uh-huh. Remember that okay. they have wanted to do this pretty much all of Aaron's life. They have been trying to get these sorts of ballot harvesting mechanisms put into place. And they just, and the trend line was actually going against them. We had over 30 States that now had voter ID laws including our own. The mechanism that provided their opportunity. What do you need to commit a crime? Means, motive, and opportunity. They had the means and they had the motive since the Clinton era. Okay. But the opportunity, that third one hit here with COVID. Because as you guys have pointed out, what's to stop them from their numbers getting so bad? That they don't just tell us about October 17th. New strain! It's terrible! Stay home! Everybody mail in! Vote online! Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, you've got to take the... you got to take... If you're going to... If you want to prevent a crime from happening, then it's just... We reverse engineer it. If these are the three things it takes to identify a crime, then to prevent it, what do you have to do? Take at least one of these three things away. Right? Mm-hmm. And, to me, that's COVID-stand. There will be... There's no... You cannot trust in any meaningful election reform without defeating COVID, Stan. It is the weapon of mass destruction that they, that they rolled out to undo our election process. Before we get to the last one, tell you about our friends over at com. If you are getting into the real estate market during these unprecedented times... bing. Make sure you do so with an agent that you can trust. And where would you find them? Well, the name kind of says it all. Realestateagentsitrust.com, a company started by Glenn Beck and some of his friends because they got tired of running into agents that they couldn't trust. That's why they started this referral service. So that just about anywhere you want to move to or from anywhere within the sound of my voice or the... You United States, I should say, uh, you can find an agent with a fully track, fully vetted track record of success. He will come in or she take advantage of uh, in control of your situation while recognizing that you're ultimately the one that is in control. Go to the website. See if we can help you. com. Let's do one more.
2: Jim Bicknell says, will Jim Harbaugh be the next coach of my Minnesota Vikings?
1: I believe that Harbaugh will be the coach of the Dolphins in the NFL or nobody. I I think that if uh, the the president, the owner of the Dolphins, Stephen Ross, is is perhaps the University of Michigan's biggest benefactor, and if if he really believes Harbaugh wants to coach in the NFL, then he's going to scoop him up. They have a great relationship. It's warm weather where his wife wants to go. Um, I, I think you'll see him go there. And I just saw this morning that in Vegas. Odds on the next Dolphins coach, Harbaugh, is way ahead. He's mm. minus 200 and everybody else is plus money. So I think it's the Dolphins or no one in the NFL. Interesting. That'd be,
0: that'd be my prediction. All right, any final thoughts? Oh, final thoughts. Well, what'd you get in? Six there, I think? Yeah. Yep. Left quite a bit on the table there. Really, really good questions. I mean, that's isn't that the sign, Steve? Of the quality, the greatness of the questions that I have mind for you that you can't come close to answering all of them.
1: Yes. I
2: go Thank you. back to, I think it was Sean's question just about the social compact as well. I think what this also gets at uh, too, no matter where we are on the spectrum of, uh, on this side, you know, we are in good faith having arguments and trying to uh, win people to our perspective. That's that's the most peaceful, the most peaceful uh, side of the spectrum here and then all the way over here is gunshots in this in the street or like right here guys i don't know if that makes sense to you the way it's showing up on tv or like right here so we're not there yet but we're a lot further or a lot closer to being over there than we are over here and i think that means one more thing as well the spirit of the agers have to be defeated one way or another it's mano imano, yeah. e mano, steel cage match, whatever term you want to give into it. But it is a zero sum game. If troops are marching through an enemy country, they don't worry about uh, what's the enemy going to do to me when they have power again. No, no, it is zero sum. You go there to win. You go there to vanquish the enemy. That's that's yeah. where we are right now. We we are no I don't see a, a scenario where we return to that Good faiths, disagreements, discussions, what have you, anytime soon.
0: Did you see that Canadian political cartoon that called the truckers tyrants? BLM gets mostly peaceful protests, right. yet the truckers are right. The tyrants. Right.
1: The social compact is broken. It's not yet irredeemably broken. It'll become irredeemably broken unless we do everything peaceably we can to do something about it. Amen. Then it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. John three seventeen.